So over the course of my life, I have made some investments, not, not an astronomical amount of investments, unless you start to consider some investments like these. Um, every, I, I usually try to eat healthy. Once in a while, I try to exercise. And so when I do that, I'm investing in my health. You know, I'm just a tad bit trimmer than I, could, than I would be if I had I not gone exercising. Uh, by spending time with my wife or spending time with my kids or spending time with a friend, I'm investing in a relationship. Uh, by investing, it, when, by, when I read my Bible or if I get on the Internet and I start reading things or reading books in school or your kids are doing your math lesson, you're investing in this brain muscle. When it comes to investing with my finances, I do a really poor job. Not because I make bad investments, but because I really don't make investments. We have some kind of, I don't even know what it's called, where we stuck $1,000 in it a couple years ago, and I think we've done that twice. Uh, Leslie's brother's very big on investing, and so it's like, okay, fine, we'll stick this money in here and hope in 10 years it's worth $1,000 plus a few, more, a few more dollars. I mean, it's very obvious. I don't know anything about investing. I don't know anything about IRAs, stock markets, money markets, anything like that. I'm sure someday I'll wish I did, but at the moment I haven't and I don't. Uh, but if I'm going to make an investment, usually I want a sure thing. I want, that's why I don't invest my money, because I just don't know how it's going to turn out. But whatever you're investing it in, um, you know, it's, it's, a sad, it's kind of a sad thing, uh, this investment, because no matter how much I invest in my health, exercising and eating healthy, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get saggy. I'm not going to be toned. I'm not going to be as buff as I am right now that you just can't see because I'm wearing all these clothes. Okay. Uh, you know... It doesn't matter how much I invest into you or to my wife or to my kids because those memories that we are creating, I'm going to lose those memories. I'm going to lose you at some point. You're going to pass away. Uh, you're going to move. Uh, my kids are going to go off to college, and it's just not going to be the same. And when I, when I invest money, it doesn't matter. The sad thing is it doesn't matter how much I invest. If I can get a for sure uh, investment re or 100% return, if I get millions and millions of dollars because I invested so wisely, the sad truth is, is that I can't take it with me. My kids would be happy, but uh, I, I can't take it with me. So it's really sad that when we invest into all these things, it's, we're going to miss out. We're going to be losing something. Does that make it mean it's not worth to invest into things of this world? Yes, it does. Only the eating healthy and exercising. Everything else is worth investing in. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. So, but today we're going to be looking at investing. We're not going to be looking at investing into things that we have to worry about losing or what's the return going to be? Is it going to be worth it? We're going to be looking at getting a guaranteed return on your investment. You know, this morning I was talking with Haven. He was running around saying, I got a TV last night. He spent five bucks. He got a 40-inch TV. What an investment, right? This kid knows how to score. I told him, I'll give you 20 bucks for that TV. He wouldn't take it. I mean, that's a 400%. Anyway, he, he, he made a good deal. But we're, he, he scored, right? He, he got something because he invested. He may not. Next year, he might put out $100 and get nothing. He might get four TVs. Who knows? But I want to talk today about a guarantee on an investment that you have the chance to make. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 23. We're going to be finishing the book of Philippians. And we're going to finish up with this idea of a return on my investment that is guaranteed. We're going to be focusing on three different points. The first is, we have to, or we should, be concerned for the needs of others. The second thing is, we should 
Whenever possible, we should meet the needs of others. And number three, we will be reimbursed when we meet the, the, the needs of others. So in other words, you will be, um, you will, you will benefit. You will re get in a return on your investment. We'll look at that here in just a minute. So point number one, we should be concerned for the needs of others. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, 13, we find out that the Philippians were very concerned about the needs of Paul. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state that I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we talked about that last week. We talked about being content. Uh, and I felt like that's such a huge, important topic that I wanted to focus on it by itself. And then we're just going to kind of skim through it as we look at this whole uh, passage on the idea of an investment. But the, the Philippians, they had the desire to... Uh, they had the desire to, to meet Paul's needs. They cared for him. They wanted to show affection. They wanted to be of the same mind. They were like-minded. I get the idea. The, the Philippians, when they saw Paul, uh, they, they, they put themselves in Paul's shoes. They said, if I was in Paul's shoes, I wouldn't want to go hungry. I wouldn't want to lack clothing. I wouldn't want to lack support. And so they said, he has this need. I want to help him. And these people, they were very far away from Paul, Noah. We put this... They were very far away from Paul, but they said, we are still have this desire, this longing to, to meet his needs. Now, back in the day, uh, if you look, you see, oops, wrong button. You see Philippi right there. That's where uh, the Philippians are. And you see all the way over here, that's where Paul is at. Uh, back in the day, they didn't have a UPS truck or a FedEx. They didn't have this air, put on an airplane as you go to the Foxes and say, hey, you ship it long distance for me. They couldn't order something on Amazon and say, hey, Timothy or Epaphroditus, why don't you pick that up for Paul? They didn't have those kinds of things. In order to get there, they were going to have to go a long way. And at the moment, they couldn't go. They either didn't have somebody who was willing to go or they didn't have the resources, but they had the desire. They genuinely cared about the situation that Paul was in and they wanted to help him. If they could have, they would. You know, by this point that this is written, Paul has already received what they wanted to give him. But before that point, they wanted to get to Paul. They wanted to give him what they, resources they could, but they had no way to get that gift to Paul. The Philippians, they were concerned about uh, the condition that Paul was in. You and I should be concerned about the needs of others. Now we're going to start, first of all, with missionaries. Uh, we, um, are, there's lots of missionaries that we can be concerned about. You have the, the website. It shows a list of a lot of missionaries. And there's all different kind of categories. There's, uh, there's those who have been there for a long time. There's those who have been there shorter. Those with kids. Those without kids. Those who are married. Those that are single. So any kind of uh, situation you find yourself in, there's somebody who kind of fits in that category of somebody that we can be concerned about their situation. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Yudi Nakano was here. She's a missionary to Japan. She's somebody that you can be concerned about. The chain of love down in South America where they're trying to house these kids who are orphans, who don't have parents around, and they're trying to put them in a house in order to help raise these kids and, and give them a good start before they leave 
uh, they leave the nest, so to speak. There's Bible camps uh, that are, they spend the summer uh, sharing the gospel with kids. And there's, it's a great ministry opportunity. That's something that you can be concerned about. Uh, the pregnancy clinic in Miles City, they provide clothing. They provide ultrasounds. They provide counsel to people in those kinds of situations that, that want to have an abortion, who don't know what to do about this. Uh, they, they, so there's lots of ministry, uh, missionary types of people who could use somebody to care about the situation that they're in. Uh, you know, and if you say, I don't know those people. I don't know Yuri Nakano. I don't know anything about the crisis or their pregnancy place. I don't know anything about these missionaries. Well, how do you get to know about them? You write them a letter. You get online and you look and see what does it say about their ministry. But you just kind of got to have to just put yourself out there and you got you to gotta attract attention. I mean, you got to go to them and see what is it that you're dealing with? Are you, are you struggling? Because, you know, in uh, Japan, you probably will remember this, but it's called the missionary graveyard. That's where missionaries go to die. And Yuri, I don't know how old she is. I'm thinking she's probably 40-ish, somewhere in there. And she's, so she's young. She's got lots of life ahead of her, and she's trying to reach those people. Maybe that's discouraging for her. Maybe she feels like, you know what, they don't care about church in Japan. She says it's very difficult there. Uh, you know, and so it's like uh, Sharon and I learned a lot from her just from the car ride. Maybe Stephen and Anita did too. But it's like if you want to know something about them, you've got to go find out. If you want to know about Trails End Camp, you can get on a website. You can make a phone call and say, hey, what's going on down there? What do you need? And you can go find that, think that out. But missionaries, those in ministry, are they the only people who have needs? No, right? No, there's people in this room who have needs. Uh, we need to be concerned about the concerns or the, the needs of other people. And there's, there's lots of things that... I hear, and I'll tell you why I hear them. It's not because I'm such a great listener. It's not because I'm anything special. It's because I have that title. I have that word pastor in front of my name a lot of times. And so people come and tell me things. And so I know a lot about missionaries that you don't know. I know lots about each of you that you have told me, but everybody else may not know. Uh, but if you want to know something about somebody... Look at someone you think, maybe you could use a friend, someone who might be going through a tough time, and get to know them. Be a trustworthy person that they can talk to, but be concerned. Don't just look at the outside and say, boy, you know, Steve looks like he's okay. I'm just going to ignore him. You know what? Maybe Steve could use a friend today. Maybe Nicole could use somebody to talk to. Maybe Arlen and Ramona. I mean, who knows? You just got to be concerned. You got to get involved in people's life. But we're not, we're not there yet. Mostly, it's just being concerned. I think about the shut-ins, you know, people who can't drive anymore, uh, people who can't go anywhere. I think about the nursing home. There are people there that have concerns. They, maybe they don't have financial concerns, but they have other, they're, they're lonely. They feel like they could use a friend. Uh, but the idea at the moment is just be concerned about them and, and go along and say, what can I do? How are you going to know what's going on in somebody's life? I'm going to ask. How can I pray for you? What can I do for you? What, do you? what needs do you have that I might be able to meet? I'm concerned. That's what the Philippians were for Paul. It's what we need to be for the missionaries. It's what we need to be for each other. It's what we need to be for the shut-ins, the people who cannot get here today because they have nobody to get him here or because they can't get themselves here as well. So first thing, we need to be concerned about the needs of other people. Number two, when it's possible... 
We need to try to meet the needs of other people. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. It says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent me aid once again for my necessities. Paul's saying, you guys shared in my distress. You guys came alongside. You joined me. You guys were involved. And then in the good times, you want to invite me to a birthday party? I'm happy to go. You want to invite me over to a New Year's party? You want to invite me? People are like, good for the good times. I'm happy to come over. But he says, you joined in my distress. You joined in my trouble, my anguish. You guys, it's the word that was used for tribulation. You guys joined me in the, the deepest despair, the toughest points of my life, which is obviously going to be easier said than others. I mean, easier said to do uh, to say than to actually do because people have concerns about uh, what they want and versus what it's going to cost them to help somebody out. But the Philippians in Acts 16 and 17 when Paul came through uh, Philippi he was put in prison and then he moved on because he kind of got booted from the area the Philippians helped him. They gave him some financial support to help him to keep going. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, Paul's talking to the Corinthians and saying about the Macedonian churches, which is where Philippi is located, saying you, the Philippian church, or the, the, these churches in this area, they gave sacrificially. They gave even more than probably they should have because they wanted to help me. And so this, this church has this reputation of trying as hard as it can to meet the, the needs of others. In Acts chapter 4, you find that the, the, the early church, uh, let me read it for you. They, they were very good at doing this same kind of thing. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 35. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Verse 34, Nor was anyone among them who, who lacked for all who were possessors of land and enough houses, sold them and brought the proceeds and the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need. So what they did, they, they, they're going as a church and they said, hey, you know what? This person needs something. I have a field. I'm going to sell this. This person needs something. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to sell my donkey. I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to help somebody else out. And so they were trying to meet the needs of other people. And we should, should, should try to meet the, the needs of other people. Uh, when they're in distress, when they were facing heartache, when they're facing sad times in their life, and when they're facing something that feels like a tribulation, we should join in with them. We should come alongside. We should try to be involved in these people's lives. You know, when it comes to missionaries, uh, that, that's probably going to be more of a financial thing than anything else. But you know what? Sometimes a missionary just needs a card of encouragement. I will tell you exactly what not to say to a missionary. When I was a kid, I don't know where I ever heard this from, uh, but there was this couple, and I'm sure they meant well, so I'm sure God's not like thinking, how could you do that? Uh, but this, uh, they would send these missionaries in another country key banks. The only catch was that they were used once. <laughs> So they, they're like, they can still be used again, and so they're sending them something. I wouldn't re recommend sending a missionary a used key bank, okay? Send them 
a fresh tea bag or send them some money or send them nothing at all. Okay, I don't think that's probably helpful to them. But we can we can send them a card. We can send them some money. We can send them letters. Uh, you know, the chain of love. They they're trying to support orphan kids. They they want to make sure that they have schooling, that they have clothing, that they have food to eat. And we could send them a financial gift in order to maybe consider that. Maybe sending a, a financial gift. Uh, one of the, the things that Leslie and I like to do is this camp in Kokolala uh, is what they, obviously it's a Bible camp, but it was something that we really had a passion for. We just love the kids. We love the ministry. And so we like to support that. I know the camp, it, it has uh, money that it, for like a budget for trying to, you know, keep the campers, keep the speakers and that kind of thing. But they have this project, it's called a, an alumni project. So anybody who's worked at camp before, uh, there's one uh, pastor friend of mine that goes to the camp and starts trying to work on different projects. So this last year, it was putting new doors and new windows in the, the eating area. They, they painted the walls. They put new light fixtures. They put new uh, tile around the kitchen uh, the, where the kids are crashing in to hurry up and throw their tray so they can go out to eat. And so it's, it's not the normal things of, of this is what is going to keep the lights on, but it's like updating the camp. They, they put new roofs on, and they, there's this water slide that I'm, I want, really want to get there. But it's like find something that you're passionate about and see what you can do to be involved in. Maybe it's the, Christ, uh, the pregnancy clinic. You know, they, they provide clothing. They provide ultrasounds. It takes money to do that. They, they, take, they would happily take volunteers for any projects that they have uh, maintenance-wise around the place. Or if somebody wants to go talk to somebody who's been involved in a, uh, an abortion or somebody who's considering that, there, there's people that they would, like that that would love to have support. And so we need to try to support those people one way or another. But we also need to remember each other. You know, we need to maybe, uh, maybe there's somebody around you that you know that has a financial need. If you have opportunity, try to meet that need. Maybe they, they just need a friend. You know, they just need somebody to talk to. They need somebody to pray with. They just need somebody to check up on them or send them a card. Okay, it's, it's, it can be that simple. You have opportunity. You see somebody has a need. You try to help them. And I think about the shut-ins. Now, I'm not going to harp on this. Uh, I was talking to Nicole about this, uh, about the nursing home. Because who here gets paid to go to the nursing home? Me, right? I get paid to go to the nursing home. When I was a kid, my dad went to the nursing home. And so as a kid, I went. I never was in a church where I had the opportunity, like you guys, to go to a nursing home on a Sunday afternoon. So I'm not going to, like, uh, I don't, I'm not going to go like this to anybody because you just don't know what I would do if I was in your shoes. But there are people in the nursing home who would love to see you. Whether it's on a Sunday where you got to listen to Josh talk some more and then visit with them, or during the week. You know, uh, Lauren and Carol are very faithful in coming with, with me to the nursing home practically every time. And if there's not, there's something going on. You know, I just, I always wonder. But it's like, they're, they're shut-ins. They can't go anywhere. They can't come to your, they can't come to church here. They can't come to your house and have coffee with you. But you can go to them. They have a need for a friend. They have a need for somebody to pray with them. Just to talk, you can go and meet that need. So I'm just encouraging. There's just so many different ways we see people have needs. And then we have the opportunity to meet them. It's just, are we going to go and do that? And then there's, there's, uh, there's always, again, the financial way. 
Which when I look at you, when I look at this church, when I, when I go back home and I talk about this church, <laughs> um, that's an inside joke. Um, I, I, what I talk about this church is I talk about how generous this church is. So when I, when I'm, as I'm going through this next point, I don't want anybody thinking like, boy, you're not giving enough. You're not, you're not doing enough. Because I've, I've never been in a church where missionaries are given that much money. And maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but I've never been in a church where a missionary gets that much support over a year. When we, the last week, for the Foxes, there was a good amount that was donated. When we have needs around the church, when we do the VBS, there's there. When we do the Awana store, I, I, I would compare it, and I've said this before, to any Awana store on the planet and say, this is the best one because you guys are generous. So please don't take this as saying, you're not doing a good job because that's obviously, I, I think, very highly of you in this area. Um, but what I am suggesting and am hoping for is that you and I will pray about what does God want us to do with the finances that we have. Maybe he'll say, you know what, uh, you guys are doing exactly enough. You don't need to do anymore. Or maybe he's going to say, you know what, Josh, you can forget this part of these, these perks in your life and you can take that and give it to somewhere else. Who knows? Just, I just encourage you to say, God, there's needs out there. I have a financial situation. You know what I want. Uh, and, and you know why it's hard to, to give money. And, and could you please show me what you want me to do and help me to do that? Um, I think about us as a church, I think uh, a, a unique idea that I think we, we could do. And I, I'll, I'll bring it up at the board meeting. And, um, but I, I look at our church and I see when we first got here in the general fund, there was like $50,000. Now there's like over $100,000, which has nothing to do with me. I didn't put out $50,000 to make it more. But I've just seen how God has blessed us. And I've talked to different people about, boy, I'd really like to do more for the missionaries. Now, if we, if we took it as a monthly budget, like what comes in monthly and what goes out monthly, there's not any more room to support anybody. You know, we're just barely keeping our heads above the water as far as that goes. But when we have big lump sums come in, we could use that. And so what I'm, what I'm proposing or challenging is to say, what, what, what was it that would make our church feel comfortable? If we, if we kept $70,000 in our general fund, everything over that we could take and use it for a mission project, uh, would, could we do that? Or if we say we're comfortable at $90,000 in our general fund, that means we have like $20,000 that we could take and spend on a need. I think about the, bud, or the elevation project. Um, this, I've talked to Nate Fox, or Poops, a little bit, and he's going to give me some more information, which I'll try to present uh, in the future. But he's in Utah trying to reach uh, the Mormons with the gospel. And it, it's, he needs a lot of money, but he's not just trying to live fat off the land. He's trying to get have materials. He's trying to build up something, and it's going to take something. And so us as a church, I, I would, would hope maybe we could think about what is that amount in our general fund that we feel like we're happy with, and then anything over that, we can feel like we're free to give. Because God gave us that money. He's blessing us with money. Let's use it to, uh, to, to be mission-minded, to reach other people with the gospel. Uh, but he, uh, no matter what it looks like, whether we do that or whether we don't, we, we, we know that there are people around us who have needs. Whether they're missionaries, whether it's the person in the pew next to us, whether it's the shut-in at the nursing home. And as, as we have opportunity, we should try to meet those needs. Ask God, what do you want me to do? And then go out and try to do that. Because the funny thing is, and the, the, this, this is the best part about this whole thing, is that when you do, God will bless you for it. 
you will get a return on your investment that's even more than you put into it. Because when you invest money into the stock market, what are you hoping for? I'm hoping to put more, get more than what I put into it. David put in five bucks. What's a 40-inch TV worth? You know, if he, wanted, if, he, if he wasn't investing, he would have said, here's my $5, and I leave this place, give me my $5 back. Right? He invested, and he, it just grew astronomically. And when we invest in the kingdom of God, he's willing, God's going to bless us as well. We're, we're going to find that here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 17 and 19. It says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things that sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to the God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, <clears throat> think about an apple tree. When we, when, before we left Davenport, we had an apple tree. And it was, it was fairly tall, and uh, we, we watered it. Leslie got out there and weeded around it, and she was trying to prune this thing. And, and why was all that? So we could have a tree growing in our front yard? No. We already had trees around the neighborhood. We wanted apples. And because she watered it, because she put all this time into it, we reaped a reward. We reaped the benefit of all this work was an apple. I think that's about as all as we got, but was an apple. Um, the other ones the worms got to as they were growing, but we still, we got our apple. And the same, uh, and Paul, just picture that as, as you are investing in the kingdom of God, Paul's saying, uh, you're going to reap a harvest. You're going to reap a benefit. You're going to put all this work into this tree. This is what you're going to get. It says it's going to abound. It's going to increase, superabound, to exist in abundance. The idea, I think, is to get more than you put into it. And it's going to be added to your account. It's almost as if you have this account in heaven that's growing as you do things. Every time you, you uh, use your talents for the Lord, when you give money for, for things to the Lord, when you're using your time and you're investing into this, uh, a ministry at church or into other people's lives, it's almost as if this account is increasing and as if it's growing. Because Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. You have an account in heaven. How do you want it to look when you get there? You want it to be like, there's a you know, piddly amount, or you want something that's overflowing. <laughs> you know, you want way more than I put into it. Yes, it's a sacrifice now to give up my time and my talent and my money and doing what God wants me to do, but you will reap an investment, a benefit later on. Verse 19 says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So that does not mean that if I give 20 bucks to the church, all of a sudden I'm going to get $40 in the mail. If I give $100 to the church, I'm going to get $400 in the mail. If not, I mean, God might choose to bless you on this earth as you give. If you, if you give to somebody in need, God might turn around and have somebody bless you out of the blue that you might not expect. Uh, so you might get blessed now, but I guarantee you, you will at least make up for it in heaven. And the, the, the tough thing about heaven is because you just don't know what's there. I'd really like to see, you know, you guys get bank statements. This is how much my savings account has accrued interest. This is how much money I have. I would love to get a, bank, or a statement from heaven. Hey, Josh, this is where you're at. Are you happy? Because I'd say, no, I can do a little bit more. I can do more and just have an account that's overflowing. But the, the point is that you will be reimbursed. You're going to get more than what you put into it. 
It's just a matter of doing what God wants you to do. It's a matter of giving what God wants you to give. It's just a matter of using your talents for what God has asked you to use it for. So when you give money to support a missionary, you're storing up treasures for yourself in heaven. When you give up your time to work at Awana on Wednesday nights, you're storing up rewards for yourself. And when you give up your talents to use for God's glory, you're investing in a heavenly account. You can do things for now which uh, where the uh, moths can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal, and I can have all these things now and it's great. Or I can look and say, you know what? I'm only going to be on this earth for like 70, 80, 90 years. How does that compare with eternity? Right? It doesn't compare. It's such a short, minuscule time in the whole broad span of history. There's a couple other verses uh, before I let you go um, about giving, about being generous as you, as you work, as you give. Um, 2 Corinthians 9.6 says, Whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. You just want to throw out a little bit and, and say, okay, I'm, I'm doing something. Okay, you know what? You sow it sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. It's your choice. Um, in Mark chapter 10, verses 29 to 30, it talks about uh, what you give up now, you're going to gain so much more later. Paul, or, um, Jesus says, if you, if whoever has given up houses and lands and families is, is, for the sake of the gospel is not going to fail to reap a hundred times more. You know, so it's almost as if I gave up I, my parents because, and I came out here, I'm going to have way more family than just a couple people up in heaven. If I gave up money uh, for, for the offering for VBS, I'm going to be gaining so much more when I get to heaven. Uh, and Hebrews 6.10, uh, God, God's not going to forget what you did. You know, you, you, you might forget what you did. I forget how I helped this person. I forget what I gave. And I sure hope God remembers. God's not going to forget that. God has it all under control. He has a record book. He knows what you've done. He's going to reward you. It's an investment. It's just a matter if you're going to, to take him up on it. So I have four questions for you. I'm going to go back to the start of this message. And if anybody's willing to say the answer out loud, that's okay. Um, if I eat healthy and I exercise, uh, who's going to benefit from that? Me, right? Yeah, I will. I'll, or if it's you, you'll benefit from it. Um, when I invest time to my wife or to my friends, who benefits from that? Everybody, but really, I'm doing the investing. I'm going to, I'm going to reap the benefit of that. Um, if I invest time into studying for a test for school, who's going to, who's going to benefit from that? Right, my, my friend who did not study is not going to get a better grade because I studied, right? I am the only person who is hopefully going to get a good grade. And when I put money into the stock market, who is supposed to benefit? Me, right? The same is true when you invest in the kingdom of God. If you put the work in, you put your time, you put your talents, you invest with your money, you're the one who's supposed to reap the harvest. You're the one who's supposed to benefit from that investment. It might be here on earth, at least somewhat, but it's guaranteed that you will reap the investment in heaven if you're willing to do that. I'm just here to tell you, like I tell myself, because I'm always, like Steve said in Sunday school, I'm preaching to myself first before I'm telling you. Um, it's your life. It's your talent. It's your money. Make the most of it now and make it count. It's the only place that you are going to have a guaranteed return on your investment. So I encourage you to invest wisely. Let's pray.
Father God, I thank you for this uh, this book of Philippians. I thank you for the encouraging words that were in it. God, I feel like there's so much of it that you hit me hard with, uh, with worries about trusting you, about even about giving, God, and about how you might ask me to do more. God, I don't want this book, I don't want these messages, the things that you have taught me to go by the wayside. I pray that you would remind me uh, throughout the days and the weeks until I do them that I need to keep putting these into practice, that I need to to give you my worries, that I need to, to give, that I need to make sure that I'm remembering that we are a family of God and I need to reach out to the needs of others. God, I just pray for your help to do that much better than I have before. Thank you, God, that you have given us the resources that we have. We have money, we have cars, we have time, we have abilities. And I, God, I just pray that you help us to see how to use those things for your glory. And thank you, God, that you're willing to bless us as we invest in your kingdom. Just please give us the determination to do that more and more. And I ask for your help to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.